This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is Rhett Gillins. He's in the restaurant industry and he feels stuck. He wants to start his own software business. So congratulations, Rhett, for your guys' chance to win 100 bucks every Monday morning. Simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now in order to enter and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you subscribed. Folks, many of you heard I made a big league acquisition of a business, NathanLacka.com forward slash send later is the name of the business. And I didn't want to give up equity to a developer because I'm a business guy. So what I did is I used a website to find a guy named He Shiming. I've paid He over $12,000 to help me build send later. And the site that I am using now is called Topital at NathanLacka.com forward slash T-O-P. T-A-L. I will build Send Later into a big business and I will take it public by the time I turn 30. I'll tell you more later on in the episode. Nathan Latka here. This is episode 443. Coming up tomorrow morning, you're going to learn from Mark Ross. He's doing $1.5 million in revenue last month. It's a SaaS business that helps studios render film faster with his company Grid Markets using hypercomputing. Top it, Tribe. What is going on? Good morning. Nathan Lackey here. And our guest this morning is Joel Holland. He is the founder of Videoblocks, a company that distributes over a million clips of royalty-free stock video and audio each month to over 150,000 customers in the te- television and video production industry. This ranges from professional outlets like NBC to hobbyists and enthusiasts. They're a five-time Inc. 500 out of 5,000 fastest-growing company. For his work with Videoblocks, He's been named one of the top 25 entrepreneurs under 25 by Business Week, Young Entrepreneur of the Year by the United States Small Business Administration, Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernst & Young for the Greater Washington, D.C. region, and made Inc.'s Magazine's prestigious 30 Under 30 list. Joel, are you ready to take us to the top? I am, Nathan. Thanks so much for having me, buddy. Holy mackerel. Talk about awards, dude. That's a mouthful. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it, yeah, it, you know, it sounds really good when you say it. I, I feel great now. Uh, it's like, what a great way to start my day. There you go. That's my job, right? How old are, how old are you now? Uh, 31. I love it. Okay, so 31. Tell us about Videobox. What does it do specifically? And then talk numbers to me. How do you make money? Sure, sure. So uh, in a nutshell, Videoblox uh, is a stock media company, and we've got um, an archive of Stock video clips, which are skylines of U.S. cities, explosions, effects, transitions. Um, we have music on audioblocks.com, so production music tracks, sound effects. Um, and then we have stock photos, images, and graphics on graphic stock. And basically, these are just elements that creative uh, professionals can incorporate into their projects mm-hmm. to make them more interesting. So YouTubers can you know, grab a, a shot of the Great Wall of China and drop it into a video they're making on China. Right. And, and what is the uh, what is the so let's just let's do video box for a second. Then we can talk about graphic sure. stock and audio blocks as well on video box. Uh, what was the founding date? What year did you build it? So, man, the, the it's been a long evolution. And so I, I got started back in high school. Wow. And so uh, it was probably the year 2000 that I had this concept. I was working on a small TV production, um, a nonprofit. And 
thought, hey man, there's a lot more independent video makers that could use inexpensive but high quality stock video. Why don't I try to shoot some of this stuff and start selling it? Um, and so that evolved into me taking a year off between high school and college to start the business. I then ran it through college while up at Babson. Um, and in 2009, started full-time, focused full-time on the business. So you have a you have a tough kind of balance here because as people consume different video blocks they buy from you, right? And their footage and things are putting together, they can either pay like per usage or a lot of people are trying to go kind of the model of monthly subscription for revenue predictability. I imagine that was a big debate for you. What's your model and how'd you come to the model? Totally. So when we started way back in the day, we were selling a la carte, right? So we were selling it by the clip, by the collection. And I started looking at this little company called Netflix and thinking, dude, I like their model, which is they don't have everything, but they've got a lot of good stuff and they charge a monthly price that's low enough that every subscriber says I'm getting a good deal. And so when we launched videoblocks.com, it was really, and we launched it in 2010, uh, it was a test to see if that subscription-based approach would work mm -hmm. for stock media. And Fast forward to today, and it, it has worked. We've, we've got 150,000 paying members. Okay, that's um, of, as of August 2016? That's right, yep. Okay. Um, and, and most of them are on annual plans. And okay. uh, we, we do have a monthly plan, but our annual plan's the best deal. And it's been a good business. I think we'll do about $26 million this year uh, in revenue, and that's all memberships. And what did um, you do in total 2015, just from video blocks? Um, man, just from video blocks. Well, so it's, we, we, we aggregated all together. Okay. So go I, ahead. Add it up. Yeah. 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 It was uh, around, um, 20. Okay. Around 20 around million, 20. around yep. 20 million. And you said you're going to do about how much this year? 26? About 26. Yep. Great, great growth. Really good growth. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's funny how growth works, right? As you get larger and larger, um, <laughs> doubling becomes harder and harder. It's easy to go from $1 to $2, yes. right? <laughs> so it's, it's folding a piece of paper in half. It gets more and more difficult. Yeah, that, that is right. So let's walk through some more of the economics because this is fascinating. I want to know how you get your content. This is typically the biggest cost for business like yours. How are you getting this royalty free? Yeah. So you, know, you rewind to the beginning. I was actually out there lugging around a backpack with a camera and a tripod, um, shooting stuff myself. And, and I was kind of shooting through the eyes of an editor, you know, hawking it online. Um, it's evolved to today where we have about 6,000 uh, videographers okay. who are uh, shooting for us. And, and most of them are shooting on spec. So they'll, you know, anybody can sign up totally free on video blocks uh, and start submitting video clips. And when they sell, we then pay you. Um, and in fact, we pay you the best uh, in the industry. We pay you 100% of what sells. Uh, because we make all of our money off of memberships. Yeah. So let me, okay, let's break this down. So you have 150,000 customers. You're doing about 20 grand in revenue. So if I want to get an ARPU, can I do 20 million divided by 150,000 customers for about $133 annual ARPU? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's about right. And, and what's happening is that that annual, that number's going up. Um, if you rewind a couple of years, we had all of our members were on $99 a year plans. That was okay. it straight up. We realized that out of those 150,000, a couple thousand are groups like NBC and ABC and Paramount and MTV. And Money on the table, baby. 100%. And so they were, they were actually willing to pay a higher price to get additional features. So we started creating more premium plans, which is what's driving that ARPU up. Got it. So that's my question. If let's say I sign up right now on videoblocks.com and I pay 130, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks uh, for the year, there has to be at some point where I use so much content that it's actually, I become an unprofitable customer for you because of what you're paying the producers, right? Or have you figured that out? No, we've totally figured it out. And there is, I mean, so if you look 
there's always that 80, 20 rule, right? Yeah. So it is 20% of our customers who drive 80% of the downloads. And we're okay with that because those tend to be the most engaged. And because of how inexpensive uh, hosting and distribution is today, thanks to Amazon primarily, uh, it's very difficult. Like you have to download like thousands and thousands of clips before you're in the, in the red for us. Unprofitable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So let's say I was one of your 6,000 videographers. I go film the Rocky mountains and it's a five second clip and national geographic uses it. They buy it. What do I get paid from video blocks for national geographic buying that clip? Yep. So it's very standardized pricing. Uh, if it's an eight, they, they can buy an HD for $49 uh, or in 4k for $199. And we then pass 100% of that back to you. So if, if National Geographic came along and bought it for 49 bucks, you'd get to keep, we'd send you a check. Oh, wow. So there's, okay, sorry. I thought if I pay this annual fee, I just get to use any of this. No, it's the annual fee to get access. And then you have to pay additional for each piece. Correct. Yes, yes, sorry. So the, And so there's two pieces of the library. There is our, what we call the unlimited library, which has a couple hundred thousand clips that we've actually shot in, in house or we've put helicopters in the sky to shoot. Um, it would be a, the best analogy is like Amazon prime. You know, how they have a yep. library of free stuff, Yep. but if there's a specific movie that you really want to rent or own, that's not in that library, you can then grab okay. it. So here's my question then when somebody's using an NBC is using your free stuff from your free library, you're paying yep. nothing back out to the producers of that. Correct. Because okay. that um, we, we ahead of time, uh, capture that whole cost. So we might have come to you and said, Hey, Nathan, we like that you have these 100 clips of the, you know, the Serengeti. We'd like to cut you a check for 20 grand uh, for rights to put it in our library. I so see. We buy, and that's bigger ticket. So we'll cut, you know, minimum five figure checks to buy um, good stuff to put in this unlimited library. That's, that's really, okay. That makes perfect sense. Got it. And people are willing to pay the annual fee just because that library is now so big. You've invested so much yeah. in it. Totally. What's nice is all they have to do is download two clips out of that library in a calendar year in order to be in the money. Got and it. on average, our customers download 140 clips. What do you mean in the money? Life. You mean so they're, they're sticky and that they renew? Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, or so most of the clips, like many of the clips in the unlimited library, you can go buy on our competitors for $79 a clip. Okay. So, oh, you, so they're you know returned. I mean? So you pay your $149 a year fee and then you download two clips. It's like you bought those two clips from a competitor, but now you end up going on and downloading another, you know, 11,998 clips. It's all uh, upside. It's, it's just total. It's totally. So when you're buying, let's say I'm a photographer you found on Tumblr with beautiful pictures of the Serengeti, you're not, and you cut me a 50 grand check for all those images. It's not exclusive. I could go sell those to Shutterstock or anybody else as well. hundred percent. And we actually encourage that because we want the, we want the shooters to make as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. Right. And it drives our value prop because if you can come to video blocks and get this stuff or go to the competitors and pay a shit ton of money for it, yep. it makes video blocks Better. obviously make sense. Yeah, totally. And it's just like Costco versus the grocery store. Yeah. How much have you paid in 2015? How much did you pay out just to acquire creative rights to things, whether it's graphics, audio or video? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, a few million dollars. I read, right? so, I read yeah. Netflix the other day. It's going to spend $6 billion on content. $6 billion. Yeah. Unbelievable. Dude. It is. I mean, that is unbelievable. And I, and I get it because content, you know, you've heard the phrase content is king yep. and it's true. So, so it's up to us to continually refresh our library with good stuff or else the members 
don't see the value and they walk away. Yeah. So if we get into, let me just go down the economics, about a $133 annual ARPU. And is it fair to say in terms of monthly recurring revenue, if we just divide the annual by the 12 months, you're doing what, about 1.6, 1.8 per month? Something like yeah, that? That's about, that's about okay. right. Yep. Okay. What's churn like in terms of your paid customer base? What's a- annual churn like? Yeah. So, so this has been the biggest, um, I think this is one of the most fun parts of a subscription business is it's a puzzle, right? So you, you first see if people are willing to subscribe and you see how much it costs to acquire them. And then you need to know how much they're worth over time, right? Their lifetime value. Yep. So if you have a high churn, then you don't have a huge lifetime value and it can be trouble. And some subscription companies have recently run into this, right? Where like they, who? they thought they were, what's that? Like who? Like Home Hero. Was that the name? Um, it was the, the house cleaning company. Okay. That they were a subscription-based company, but what was happening was customers were having them clean one time and then just starting to pay them directly. Yep. Well, all of a sudden their churn was like huge, right? It's like, like me huge. It's like me finding an Uber driver I like in Austin and saying, hey, why don't we just, why don't you text me and you'll just be my yes. driver. Yeah. Yes, totally. And so, um, our, so at first our churn, when we first started years ago, we were doing monthly plans and our churn was okay. It was like, I think we were churning out like 40% of people a year. Annually. Yeah. Annually. So, okay, but not great. Now, unit economics were fine. Like we were paying 10 bucks to acquire a customer that was worth $70 in like two months. Yep. That works. So, yeah. That works. So, so our, so our, 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 our CAC, right. Our, our return on customer acquisition was insanely good. But what we realized is we were trying to build a real subscription business where customers would be with us for years. Yep. Uh, so that meant uh, finding the right types of customers, kind of tuning down some of our free trial offers, pushing more of the annual plan um, straight up, right? Having people pay straight out of the gate. And now our retention rates are, are much better. They started like 80% for year one. By year two, our customers are at 90%. And by year three, they're almost at 100%. So it's fair to say maybe on a weighted average, I mean, I can take the, I can take kind of a 10% churn divided by, uh, annual churn divided by 12 months. I mean, you're sub 1% in gross customer churn monthly. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we still see that as an opportunity. So we have an entire team at Videoblocks called Chow, which is Customer Insights and Operations. That is, they're like former Capital One analysts who help us figure out how to keep customers longer. That's um, that's great. And what are you totally, paying to acquire a customer? It, it totally depends on channel, right? So so we do we do a t- we do a lot of direct response marketing. How much right? you spend monthly on that? Oh man, we probably spend. Ah, a million dollars a month. Yeah. Okay. Right? On direct, and give me an example of a direct response piece. Sure. So, so I would include anything that has a call to action where someone goes and signs up and we can tell very quickly whether they're profitable or Facebook not. Facebook ad. Facebook is huge. Um, Google AdWords, huge. We do a lot of direct response email marketing. Yeah. How big is um, your list now? Man, our huge. Very big. We have, yeah. Cause we, cause we run, we also run a lot of um, affiliated websites where we give content away for free. So we have millions of users between all of our sites. Um, so I, you know, our email list is probably 20 or 30 million strong. Yep. 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 Yeah. And which is a huge, I mean, a hugely powerful asset in terms of you launching these other like graphic stock and audio blocks and all these other things. A hundred percent. We, we launched them pretty much knowing that they're going to be profitable day, day, day one, right? Almost, almost day one. And, 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 you know, and, and we do a lot of analysis ahead of time, but, um, cause the biggest cost is taking all of our engineers and all of our employees time and having them focus on a new product. Yep. yep. So if you give me, let's just do a weighted average for the sake of the audience to understand all the kind of intertwining relationships in a SaaS business. If you do a weighted average CAC, what would it be? Well, 
It, it really depends, but it would probably be like 50 bucks. Okay. And what's lifetime value on average? Hundreds of dollars. Hundreds. Yeah. And cool. so, um, you know, this, and, and so what we have there is an opportunity to, you know, increase our reach. Yeah. Right? So I was going to say you have a much better ratio than a three to one LTV to CAC ratio. So you could probably spend more, but you have to find the channels. That's the tricky part, right? It's, yeah, exactly. Right. And so you, you end up, and then, like you said, it's a blended average. So in some channels, we're already approaching break even and others were insanely profitable. But what's interesting is a channel like Facebook um, is kind of this constant cat and mouse game where they'll come out with a new ad format or, <laughs> you know, like timeline, you know, being in timeline back in the day was huge. Yep. But then everyone started doing it, which drove the price up, but also viewers got used to it. So it became banner blindness. Yep. So you're, you were, you're always chasing new ad types. Um, which is the cat and mouse game, which is both fun and frustrating. Yeah, it's always this. I, I work with a bunch of first time entrepreneurs. You probably do too. And they get all excited. They say, we know we can spend a dollar and get five. And the question I always yeah. want to know is, well, how long can you keep doing that before diminishing returns kick in? Because that's the key to understand, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and the answer is, if you're really good, then diminishing returns should kick in almost immediately. Yep. You should be able to almost arbitrage a channel uh, you know, Quick. instantly. Yep, yep. Totally. Okay. Awesome. Uh, lifetime. We talked about lifetime value. What about team size? What are you at now? We're about 80 people. And where are you based? Uh, out of, uh, Reston, Virginia. So oh, right cool. outside of Washington, DC. I grew up in, uh, in Loudon there down right there in Leesburg. I do totally. Yeah. That's we're funny. right down the street from you. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a beautiful area. Very cool. Well, Hey, uh, and, and tell me real quick, just cause I think you've done a good job of this and you've done some interesting things. Funding history. How much have you raised? We've raised a little under 20 million to date. Okay. Uh, our first, we did a series A in 2012, which is 10 and a half. Yep. Um, and that came from two um, private equity firms, uh, okay. uh, Updata Partners and QED Investors, which was started by Nigel Morris, the co-founder of Capital One. Mm -hmm. uh, then um, two years ago, we did another raise, but instead of doing a traditional series B, we did a venture debt raise. Yeah. So did we you Square One or Silicon Valley Bank or who? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we talked to both those groups. We ended up going with North Atlantic Ventures up in Maine. Huh. They're, they're an uh, SBIC fund. So, uh, SBA actually, like, gives you leverage. Yep. So, for all their investors, put a dollar in. The SBA puts a buck in. And it's, it's, a, it's a really cool model. So, um, what's nice there is debt was very inexpensive relative to giving up a ton of equity. Yeah. What, what is the, what are some of the terms on that debt? I mean, like what's the interest? Does it have an interest rate? Yes. So there, there's interest rate. It's not, you know, it, it's is it above 10. No, it's, you know, it's, it's probably right around. I think, you know, that's right around what for venture debt you'd probably get. Yeah. Right. It's like right around 10, you know, considering the terms are six years interest only. Do right. they have any levers in terms of like, you always have to keep a 5 million in the bank. If you go below that, you owe us this much on the debt. Are there any levers like that? Yeah, no covenants. Okay, so, good. So this is the other thing. Look, if we, if we, and these are all the trade-offs. Yeah. If we had agreed to covenants, then you could probably get a lower interest rate. Yeah. But um, that's where it gets dangerous. Because what happens if the economy takes a turn or is some, you know, a competitor does something you don't expect, you don't want a bank to be able to come back and pull your loan. Yep. So I, I would definitely tell anybody listening, if you're going to do debt, make sure it's covenant free, not covenant light, like covenant free. Yeah. So that was in 20, June 2015. If I was a betting man, I'd look you in the eyes right now, Joel, and say you're either raising another round of capital or you're in acquisition talks right now with somebody. Which is it? <laughs> well, that's it, it, interesting. I mean, it's, it's a very good guess. Um, we're not raising, uh, but at the same time, we're not in acquisition talks. Mm -hmm. We're kind of in this phase where we're building and growing. Mm -hmm. So, so we've got enough money in the bank now to 
to um, really switch from building a lot of new products to driving membership. Because if we can drive our membership numbers up uh, and really show growth and profitability, then down the line in one to two years, look, the, the ideal would be to sell to a company, to a great company like Adobe, yeah, who has yeah, yeah. you know a complimentary customer base, insanely great products. Going public ever cross your mind? You know, I've always said that on this go around, it has not. Yeah, you're still young, I, you know, man. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe maybe next time. Honestly, going public looks brutal. And yeah. I look, I watched one of our competitors, Shutterstock, do it. Yep. And, and and I know them very well, and I was close to them. And like, it was a tough process. And not only going through the process of going public was tough, but once they were public, you then have every Joe Schmo in the world who can buy a share of your stock is now and like ask certified. stupid questions on the analyst calls, right? Dude, and then and everyone's got an opinion. Yeah. And so it's like the markets decide, like Shutterstock was killing it. Then the market decided, eh, so they got crushed. And now in the last year, they're back up 100%. Yeah. So it's like that kind of volatility based on, you know, I just imbecile investors would yep. drive me nuts. Yeah. I mean, hey, I get it, man. If people want to follow you as you go on this journey over the next few years, where's the best place for them to do that online? Um, oh, so if, you know, if you go to joelkentholland.com, uh, it just redirects to my LinkedIn profile. Um, it's a great way to connect with me and, uh, you know, definitely connect. I love connecting with people and, and I try to keep everything I do posted there. All right, guys, very quickly, many of you heard I acquired Send Later at nathanlatka.com forward slash send later. And here's the thing. I don't want to hire a big team. I'm a business guy, though, so I need developers. So what I did is I found this little website. I found this guy named He Shiming. I paid him over $12,000 to help me keep building this business, which I will take public by the time I turn 30. So it's called Toptal. Okay, and what Toptal does, it's a network of elite pre-vetted software developers. Basically, I told Toptal what I was looking for. They search their network for the best people. They even test the candidates, which saves me time. And then they just said, Nathan, here, use this candidate. They meet your individual needs and boom, I'm off to the races. So once you pick someone on Toptal, you can start working with them the next day. Now, for my people, Toptal's offering a no-risk trial period that you can get at Nathan nathanlatka.com forward slash T-O-P-T-A-L. Again, nathanlatka.com forward slash Toptal to get started. This is perfect if you're a business person listening that doesn't know how to incentivize or find a technical co-founder. Go to nathanlatka.com forward slash Toptal and get started building your app now. The Top Tribe will link to that in the show notes at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top four, four, three. Again, forward slash the top four, four, three. All right, Joel, this is time for the famous five. They're rapid fire questions. You ready? All right, let's do it. Number one, favorite business book. Um, Influence by Robert Cialdini. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, you know, I'm infatuated with Elon Musk. So I, anything I can read about that guy, I do. Number three is their favorite online tool you have, like HostGator. Like, like, well, yeah, I would say um, Mailchimp. Yep, that's a good one. Number, is that where you manage that you have like twenty million emails? You have them all in Mailchimp? No, we have we 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 have a ton of different ESPs. Okay. I was about to say, whoa, that is risky. Yeah. All right, number four, yes or no? Do you get eight hours of sleep every night? I do now. I do now. I for for years when I was growing the business, the answer was hell no. Yeah, yeah. And what's your situation now? Married, single? You have kids? Uh, single in a long-term relationship. And so, um, we actually recently moved out to Vail, Colorado for a year. So I'm working remotely oh, cool. and 
It's been nice because I, I can focus on the bigger picture things, not get caught up in day to day and get eight hours of sleep. That's awesome. So no, no kids yet. No kids. And you're 31. So last question, right? 31. Yep. So last question, take us back 11 years, man. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Man, I, you know, I was just in Boston for a wedding, which is where I went to college. And I think I might've worked a little too hard in college and not on schoolwork. Like I was working on the business. I was very focused on it. And I'm glad I was because the business is where it is today because I did that. But at the same time, maybe I could have taken a little more time to just live the college life uh, because those four years, you don't get them back. So you're, you're throwing all kinds of crazy parties over the next three years then, aren't you? You got to make up lost time. Yeah, well, I always said that I was going to give up my 20s so that in my 30s, I'd have the freedom <laughs> and flexibility to do whatever. And, and I think that, that I still stand by that. I'm glad I did that. Top drive. There you have it from Joel. He thinks he worked a little too hard in college. He would have preferred a little bit more balance, but the results are in the data. Video blocks doing incredibly well. Over $20 million raised. Uh, 2015 revenue, $20 million. Over 150,000 annual paying customers paying on average $133. Bucks. Building really an unbelievable business with his team of 80 up there in rest. And it was super healthy unit economics. Joel, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate it, buddy. If you enjoyed Joel today, go back and listen to Ryan yesterday. He's the hardcore closer and he did 803 grand in 2015 revenue. You won't believe what he's going to do this year. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.